Welcome to the Credit Union Business News Podcast, the only all-digital, all-business resource for credit unions. This episode sponsored by Bader Training and Consulting. We create environments where employees actually want to come to work and members want to keep coming back. Hi, I'm your host for the Credit Union Business News Podcast, Ken Bader. And as always, we have another great guest. The guest that we have today is Stacy Armijo, who is the Chief Experience Officer. It's a different kind of CEO. She's the Chief Experience Officer for Amplify Credit Union. Um, she's been with the credit union since 2018, was previously an executive with one of the largest public relations and marketing firms in Texas. Um, so she stayed in Texas. She loves Texas. Uh, I'm not from there, but hey, I'm a fan of Texas. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, in addition, she was a lecturer teaching public relations strategies at the University of Texas at Austin. So I want to hear about that as well. And she is the winner of the Austin Under 40 Award for Advertising, Marketing, and Public Relations. I can go on and on because she's got a lot of great accolades here, but I'd rather you hear from her. Stacy. welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm happy to be here. My pleasure. My pleasure. We're going to get a lot of good info from you. This is our first chief experience officer um, on this particular show. So I'm personally excited because I'm all about branding the experience for our members and our employees out there. Uh, but for those that might not be familiar with what a chief experience officer is, for instance, I started in the industry in the 90s, and there was only a CEO, uh, which is chief executive officer, chief financial officer, and chief operating officer. And I think when you got that job in the 90s that a stick needed to be surgically implanted in you but uh, fortunately the, fortunately the industry has come a long way since then and I want to hear exactly what is a chief experience officer absolutely so um, I find a chief experience officer is what anybody thinks it is on any given day that's the the first answer <laughs> I'm going to give to that um, I, 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 we get a cool acronym. So because, you know, CEOs kind of already taken, uh, some people call us CXOs. Yeah. So we're the CXOs of the, uh, of the industry. Um, and so it, it really does mean something different, um, in every different context. So, um, I can tell you in my role, um, so our institution is about a billion dollars in size. Um, Correct. and in our organization, the experience function is made up of four divisions. So, the first division is marketing, communications, and social impact. Um, the second is retail. So that's branches, contact center, and wealth management. The third is payments and operations. And then the fourth is HR and training. So essentially, we brought together what we believe to be all of the internal and external aspects of the experience and put them under one function. So that's a little bit unique. Um, one reason it happened that way is because our um, chief operating officer who had been with us previously for about 30 years um, retired at the end of last year. And that was a retirement that we knew was, was in the coming for a while. And so we were planning for the executive structure to um, absorb those responsibilities. And what we decided is in today's day and age, you don't, you, you shouldn't separate sort of ops from experience. You know, mm -hmm. that's in my opinion, a little bit of old school thinking about, okay, operations happens in one place and experience happens in another place. Um, and we have a different philosophy on that. So um, the AMA, the CEO of the American Marketing Association today uh, puts forward the definition of brand as uh, experience to the power of story. 
So it's a little bit different. If you think about sort of old school thinking about branding, you would have you would have put sort of storytelling and, and the way that we decide um, our personality is, we would have put that first. Um, and in today's day and age um, where people can change so quickly and where we have such short patience with <laughs> ineffective experiences, yes, it's, you know, you have to get the experience right first and then you can, you can, create more power through your story. You can create more meaning, but if you have a story, a powerful story and a shallow or an ineffective experience, your story just doesn't have the legs that maybe it would have in old school environments. So that's kind of what, that's the thinking that went under the structure of the position in our case. Uh, something I see uh, elsewhere, um, and honestly it concerns me a little, is um, I see a, a lot of organizations just renaming what they would have called retail into yeah. experience or what they would have called member service into experience. And it's, that's okay. I mean, if what you're trying to do is sort of communicate a level of expectation, um, but I wouldn't say like in any place where you just kind of rename titles, but you don't actually change reporting structures or priorities, um, don't expect something different just because you've, you've kind of recast your language. So that's kind of what I see out there. Yeah, that's so many great points, um, especially love the last point. I even see that from a branding standpoint of you change the name of the credit union, uh, but you don't necessarily change the experience. It's like, hey, you know, we're a new name now, but you go in, it's like, hey, it's the same crappy experience. This is awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love what uh, you talked about and what Amplify did is combining everything that was going to be a component, not only to the member experience, but also the employee experience. Um, mm -hmm. I've said this to, frankly, anybody that would listen, um, which, you know, since my mom is 2,000 miles away, there are fewer people that, that do listen to me. Um, <laughs> but that it's extremely difficult, not impossible. I've seen it happen, but it's a very expensive proposition but it's extremely difficult, almost impossible, to create a positive member experience if you haven't created a positive employee experience first. Has that been kind of your observation as well? 1,000%, that is totally true. I think um, any organization that tries to pretend it has two cultures is yes. kidding itself. And so <laughs> if you're trying to, I mean, if you're trying to say, we value our members. We want to put, we want to prioritize a positive experience for them. We are friendly and helpful. All of the things that most credit unions would say, but then you don't treat your employees that way. So it's okay for your employees to um, treat one another with anything less than the highest standards of service. Wow. That, that's going to come through to your members. Yeah. You know, so one way that we've actually been tackling that is we recently um, just formalized and introduced throughout our credit union service standards, and we specifically articulated how they apply internally and externally. So we said we, 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 we have six of them, and uh, we have said it was kind of easy to sort of say this is how we expect it for our members because we have what I, what I would consider to be an, an authentic quality customer service muscle. You know, some organizations... Yeah try to pretend to be good at customer service, but really they don't actually prioritize their customers that much. We're lucky, I think, in the credit union space that that is pretty uncommon. Mm -hmm. Most credit unions really do authentically care for their customers. Um, 
And so we found that part easy, but then translating that and articulating that to what does that look like when you're talking with your teammates, um, I think was really helpful. Um, and that was really, I would say, a little bit more of an aha for us of making sure that we have one set of standards for both our internal and our external stakeholders. And we're really just starting to explore the power of that. You know, we've, we've only recently formalized it. We rolled it out to all of our, uh, all of our employees at our all hands meeting in February. And we're really just kind of talking about how can we make sure this isn't just nice words on a page? How can we make mm -hmm. sure that we really are living this and in the places where we're not, that we have the kind of culture where people will raise their hand and say, we're falling short here. How can we fix that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if we weren't so far away from each other, I would have given you a hug right now. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it, it, I know we're, we're in coronavirus pandemic right, right now and we're <laughs> taping this. So even if we were doing this in person, um, I would avoid <laughs> doing that. Um, but yeah, I have for years talked about the fact that uh, I truly believe that the key to branding the experience is service standards. Frankly, if you do mm -hmm. nothing else, yeah, if you at least yep. do service standards and you do it the right way, you're going to be at least one step ahead of, of all of your competition. And I find that for nine out of 10 of my client engagements, one of the very first things we do is create service standards. So I can't tell you how overjoyed mm -hmm. I am to hear that and hear that, you know, that that very important phrase of it's not just words on paper, it's actually lived in our credit union. Yep, that's the hardest part. And I find um, the way you go about creating those service standards can be one of the differences between whether or not they're actually meaningful or not. Yeah, so in our case, we, um, we brought together, um, I don't know, I think there was 25 people in that first meeting um, to where the people that represented um, every different aspect of the credit union and we just had conversation you know what do you think and where do you think you know and and we tried to be honest about everything comes with trade-offs yeah you know, so to be able to say who doesn't want to say um that uh, a customer should never have to wait like that mm -hmm. that would be a wonderful thing to be able to say right can we pay that off yeah. I, I, i'm realistic? not sure yeah what would yeah. that cost you yeah so let's not just say nice things that you really can't live up to, let's commit to fewer things and commit to doing them in a really substantive way. And, um, and people feeling a part of that, well, certainly it changed which standards we agreed to and, and how we sort of sought to explain them and bring them to life because people had input to that and we were able to reflect that. And I think especially as, as we're rolling them out and trying to make them really live in the business, the fact that they had a role in creating it gives them some buy-in to making them successful. Now a word from our sponsor, Bader Training and Consulting. Would you like to create an experience both for your employees and your members that increases productivity and sets your credit union on a straight path for growth, even in these times? Then let's talk. Let's set up a 15-minute consultation where we talk about your unique institution and how we can increase productivity and growth, whether your credit union is 1 million in assets, 10 billion in assets, or anywhere in between. And during that complimentary session, let's also talk about our B plus C plus S snapshot, formerly called our B plus C plus S audit. We do a deep dive into your brand, culture, 
and strategy. It's often the perfect start in working with beta training and consulting and provides a real value in a full report providing observations and implementable actions for the enhancements of your brand, culture, and strategy. This service also includes a two-hour video meeting with me, Ken Bader, to review the report with you and your management team and discuss how we can create a well-branded experience for your employees and members that's going to increase productivity and help the growth of your institution. To learn more, send an email directly to me at kbator, B-A-T-O-R, at btcinc.net. Again, that's kbator at btcinc.net. Yeah, that is, that's spot on. Um, and I apologize to the audience in advance for harping on these service standards, but I think it's so important <laughs> and you brought it up. Um, and, and also I'm an only child, so it's all about me and I enjoy talking about this. So we're going to continue <laughs> for just a little bit longer on these service standards uh, because yeah. I, I love what you talked about in terms of collaborating. Um, one of the first clients I ever had where we did service standards, we all got in a group and we talked about the importance of them. Uh, and it was a small credit union, probably about 15 to 20 employees. So we all got together in the branch and they were already having a culture issue, which is why the CEO brought me in. And so yeah. we talked about them and I said, you know what, I'll be back in four weeks here's your exercise, get into teams between now and then and create service standards. And I gave them some parameters, came back four weeks later and did about 15 minutes of spiel, did, you know, two jokes that nobody laughed at, which is still the same today. And it, it, I asked, okay, so how did we do on that service standard exercise? And there's crickets and blank stares. And I said, oh, did we not do the service standard exercise, which frankly would have been okay because we would have segued right into it then and there. And after another 30 seconds of silence, the CEO grabs his sheet and says, no, no, we got him. We got him done. And he pulls him up and gives him to me in, in the front of the front of the class, if you will. And I'm looking at him and says, all right, these, these aren't, these aren't half bad. These are pretty good. How did you create them? And the CEO said, oh, me and the chief operating officer came in, you know, after work one day and we pounded them out. Oh, no, no. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, you, you could feel every one of the employees yeah. just deflate. Um, yeah. Yeah, I even I even yeah. had I even had a teller come up to me at a break and says, "Weren't we supposed to get in the teams and do all this?" And CEO is in within earshot, and I just said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what you were supposed yeah. to do." Not surprised. <laughs> not surprisingly, that credit union is no longer around today. Go figure. <laughs> I, I mean, that's true. You know that you you can go you can go fast alone, or you can go far together. I think that's a Maya Angelou quote. Yeah, you know, that it, mm -hmm. it's going to take you a long time. But how long do you think you want to live with these service standards? What's the yeah. difference of a couple of weeks for something that, if you've done it right, it should last at least a couple of years, if not a couple of decades? Like yep. that's that's how the duration we should be thinking about this. Sure. How much do you think is appropriate to invest in that? Yeah, and sometimes they morph a little bit over time, but the core of what you're trying to get at, you know, really, right. really does make some sense. So obviously at Amplify, you, you get the whole uh, employee experience part. 
you know, how does your credit union provide a consistently positive member experience uh, both in person and online because that's very key, especially today, the online. Huge. Yeah. So um, I would say, so Amplify, I think, embraced uh, digital delivery uh, a little earlier than some other credit unions. So they amplified been prioritizing it. that. Wait, wait, I got, <laughs> I've got, I've got, a, I've got a brand this <laughs> discussion. Damn it. <laughs> Go ahead, Stacey. <laughs> you got it. You got, you, you got your headline. So we, we've been at this a while. Um, so when I think about experience, um, especially online experience, I think we, we do a lot of the same things that other credit unions either both currently do or aspire to do, which is to try to make as much as possible accessible at your fingertips 24 hours a day. Uh, and, you know, there's something new every day that you can expand your capabilities toward. And every credit union is just having to decide, um, you know, all of us have limited time, attention, and dollars. Do you invest it building out capabilities digitally or do you invest it in service delivery on an in-person basis? Um, Amplify prioritized digital uh, service delivery in a really big way in our last strategic plan. So that started in 2016. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, we had a basic online banking experience. Um, uh, we had a mobile app, um, but we took that a step further. So today we have an all digital mortgage application experience. So in 10 minutes from your phone, you can fully apply for a mortgage. Um, we have a lot of members who never have and probably never will step foot into a branch because that's just not how they want to do business. Um, I think part of that is our legacy is as the IBM Texas employees credit right. union. So we kind of started with a sort of tech driven membership base. We've been a credit, a community credit union now for about 15 years, but still that, that IBM heritage, I think infuses a certain culture in our membership and in what they expect of us. Um, so that's been in place for a while. What I think is newer is um, thinking about the channels of service delivery um, as intermingled. So yeah. I think before we kind of thought about them as you are either a digital customer or you are a physical customer. And so if you're a physical customer, here's everything we're doing for you. If you're a digital customer, here's what we're doing for you. And the reality is of course, we're all humans. And so we're all both, right? right. That, you know, if I walk into a branch and I see a line, I'm going to take my phone out and find out if I can do that thing that I walked into the branch to do because I haven't wondered. It's the same way that you're sitting at Target and you see something that you want there and you pull it up on Amazon to find out if you can get it cheaper. I'm, I'm sorry, Target, but this is the world we live in today, you know? Yep. And so we, that's really what we have been focused on more recently as in the last couple of years is um, being cognizant of that blended experience and making sure that those experiences make sense to each other so that you don't, um, call the contact center and you're starting from ground zero right. versus calling the contact center and they know who you are because you've registered your mobile device and they even know that what you might be calling about because they just saw you do three failed attempts at the online banking login. So they're right. guessing you're calling for a password reset. Now we aren't all the way there yet. That's what we're working on. We're actually doing a mm -hmm. phone system project that will integrate with some other tools that we have to be able to make that example uh, a real life experience. It's not today. Um, but that is how we're thinking about the way these things weave together. Um, we're leveraging our, uh, our CRM tools, which we have used primarily to onboard new members to um, facilitate in-person experiences. So for mm -hmm. example, 
Um, making sure that we're using Salesforce, not just as a, a lead management tool for online leads, but as a tool that we can use for identifying new member opportunities and for helping our, uh, our account representatives understand the book of business they're responsible for and cultivate that book of business with intention so that they can, crazy idea, pick up a phone and directly call their member and Go ask figure. how they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> weird. I mean, it's just so strange. So it's interesting. It's, um, it's everything old is new is new again. Yeah. And yeah. so in today's oversaturated digital age, um, we're actually looking at a fair number of just good old fashioned high touch interactions with our members. Yeah. But even those are digitally enabled and they're digitally tracked so that we understand whether those are making an impact for the business and, and how we can do them better. So that's kind of where we are in that journey. I know everybody's in a different place. Um, and it seems yeah. like um, the last 20 days or so of living here in the world of COVID-19, mm -hmm. um, people's uh, perspectives on how critical innovation is or is not is something I expect is going to change. So, yeah. you know, it seems like, you know, January of this year, we were still living in this place, we being the credit union industry. Um, some in our industry were still living in this place of um, uh, adequate digital capabilities are a nice to have. But the reason that people bank with us is because they want to walk into a branch and have a friendly conversation and we know who they are. And so all of that digital stuff is for other people, but we know our customers and we know what they want. Um, I worry for those institutions because I think this is teaching people how to bank digitally in ways they either never really cared about or didn't want to. I believe that there is a segment of people who are always going to want that relationship. They're going to want to walk into a branch. I'm not one of those who thinks banking is going to be all digital in the next few years, right. but I think they'll, it's for different reasons. It's fewer of them. And for institutions that haven't really gone far enough down that path of digital transformation, their ability to go there today is going to be harder. And so all the reason to run faster. Yeah, yeah, you you hit on some of the key elements of the whole branding, the experience concept, because even through technology, people want to feel like they've got a human behind that. Yep. Yeah, that that even even if they're not on an online chat, that they know that an individual that cared, for instance, created that online mortgage application for them. Um, and they know right. that, that that is a factor in, the, in their overall experience. And, and unfortunately, I, I agree with you that, uh, that this very, very unfortunate pandemic is going to put some credit unions in a real rough space. Um, mm -hmm. As I continue to say through this, now is certainly the time to isolate physically but it's not the time to isolate visibly. And I implore, I, whether, whether they're one of my clients or a prospect or just somebody I know, I implore them. It's like, I know you hate video. Yeah, that, let's, let's even go away from the digital transactions. Like, I know you hate video, but your members need to hear from their fiduciaries right now. For the love of God, yeah. will you at least pick up a cellular phone, <laughs> a smartphone, and do a 90-second video on what you're doing at your credit union and what your members could expect, please? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This is uh, So times of uncertainty, you know, are, are times of communication, or they should be. Yeah, that, um, you know, uncertainty is the enemy of confidence. Yeah. And if you can give your members some degree of confidence that, of course, my money is safe and secure. I can access it any way that I want. Um, and 
you're being good stewards of your decisions in this economically uncertain time. That's what our members want to know and understand from us. In some ways, the way that they're making that decision is just by listening to how you communicate. You know, do you, do you sound like a stuffy financial institution that doesn't give me warm and fuzzies? Do yeah. you also sound like an overly emotional, freaked out financial institution? Also doesn't give me confidence, yeah. you know, but do you sound human and capable? But I, that's you're really trying to meet in the middle of those. And I know that's a, that's a hard line to walk, but nobody yeah. better than the credit union professionals to do it. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think that one of the reasons why we don't have uh, panic and chaos is because credit unions and banks are that system, even though you might not be able to go to a lobby anymore, uh, drive throughs are open, credit unions mm -hmm. are still lending. I went to the ATM last week, it spit out money just the way it did before the pandemic. <laughs> so I think that's giving yep. some people some security, uh, which is why we, we need to communicate that um, in some mm -hmm. way, shape or form. Uh, but I want to get back to, because you're hitting on so many key points, uh, whether it's a $10 million credit union or a $10 billion credit union, you, you need to make people feel that every interaction is not only a positive one, but it's truly one that's branded for your particular institution. So you know, philosophically, if one of your members, you know, say it's after the pandemic, of course, uh, comes into one of your branches this morning, um, then later on performs a, an online transaction, you know, maybe at lunch while they're eating their burger, and then later on, you know, interacts with, with Amplify, you know, via social media posts, maybe on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is that you're on. What do you want that member to feel at the end of the day after interacting with Amplify in all of those different channels? There's a couple of things. Um, so one is I want them to feel like they are engaging in better banking with better values. So um, essentially we've spent a fair amount of time thinking about um, really just, you know, um, differentiated positioning. So um, I, my marketing team will, will know that I, I say this phrase a lot. Um, we credit unions love to do happy people banking. Yeah. So that, you know, you'd look at all of our, all of our, our imagery and whatnot, and it's making people feel good and it's people being happy or getting that house or, you know, yeah. getting that car. Um, and that's great, but it doesn't make any of us look any different from any other options out there. Um, and uh, those who follow CUNA's um, research, you might be aware of their Open Your Eyes uh, Awareness Initiative um, that's uh, research-based. Essentially, it says, um, I, I might get my numbers specifically wrong, but directionally, they'll be right. Um, I think it's 79% of Americans uh, don't believe that they can bank with a credit union because they don't mm -hmm. understand the concept of membership. They believe it's exclusive um, or they don't believe that credit unions have the products or the technology that they expect. So when we think about like, who are we trying to differentiate around? Right. Um, it's, it's not other credit unions, it, it's, it's banks. You know, so as we think about helping you know, hey, you can come over here. And by the way, if you do, did you know, you get to feel good about what your banking is doing. Yeah, that, yeah. so it's better banking for better values. And the other half of that is um, what we're starting to call better, stronger, faster. Yeah, so we've spent a fair amount of time um, trying to understand our own brand at a deeper level. Um, and you might be familiar with the concept of archetypes. And so mm -hmm. we've settled on the archetype of the athlete. 
that's who we have decided that we as a brand are. Um, and essentially what we've decided is we are constantly striving to make everything a little bit better, go a little bit faster, be a little bit stronger every time. Um, and that that's what we think our members can expect for us. So as we think about being kind of that tech driven organization, that's what we're thinking about, but we think about it as, as being for a bigger purpose, you know, so it, we aren't motivated by, by profit. We aren't, you know, if we win, that doesn't mean that shareholders somewhere else get some greater dividend. If we win, that means our members win and that means our community wins. So for us, it's like we're, we're competitive, but we're competitive for that very, um, that, that, that mission driven reason. Yeah. And we think that that's what sets us apart. So we're actually just in the early stages of this as in literally we haven't even gotten to the final portion of our brand book yet. Um, but speaking to your point about sequence, where we started was um, the service standards. We started thinking about our employees. We started with the service standards. Um, we came up with what we call our, our we believe statements. So essentially, um, why does the world need another financial institution? There's mm -hmm. a bajillion of us, right? And so um, why is it necessary that we exist? And so we came up with three statements that we believe are the basis of why it's important that we're here. Um, and then we use those inputs to start to think about, okay, now from our customer's perspective, what should that look, sound, and feel like? So we're really just at the beginning stages on the customer side. So it's kind of where we are. Right, right. No, that, that is so spot on. And it's, it's obvious that we, we need more institutions <laughs> like Amplify. Um, yeah, it's, it's about you know, delivering. It's not just about delivering a financial transaction. It's about people walking away, whether it's from the branch or, or from the phone, feeling like they've made the right choice um and it sounds like you're doing that yep. and profit doesn't you know don't don't shy away from profit i i truly believe that profit oh, no. profit happens naturally when you're doing the right things and i've stressed yep. this to credit unions for a long time um yeah if if you want to be a light in the world then keep the damn lights on uh, <laughs> absolutely and, absolutely no money and, no mission and, yeah. and profit is the evidence that you're meeting your mission. Right. And so if you don't have any profit, I would posit to you that you're not meeting your mission. That yep. it, so don't look at profit as the purpose. Profit is the evidence. That's how we, that's how we think about that. Yeah. And I, I always like to say you can't give anybody anything if you don't have it already. <laughs> so no you know, if, if you want to give it all back at a bonus dividend and leave yourself with a dollar of net income, I'm all for that. But you got to have you have to make it in order to be able to do it. Um, <laughs> for sure. In, in terms of providing that positive member experience across all channels, what do you think is that most critical piece, or at least that most critical piece that you've found at Amplify that, that really makes this thing run? I think the most critical piece to the member experience is, um, well, it's in two parts. One is, um, let's remind ourselves. I said most critical piece. Now you're going to, now you're going to do I two know. parts. I'm giving you two. All right. I'll give you two parts. You're, you're all right, Stacy. Go for it. <laughs> uh, you know. So, experience is my 
the experience I have as compared to my expectation. So let's not forget that experience is not its own objective thing. There is no objectively good experience or bad experience. There is only what I encounter as compared to what I expected, which is why I can have to, I can have the same experience walking into a Motel 6 as I can walking into a Four Seasons, and one of those is going to leave me feeling much better than the other. Um, so let's not forget that. So that's why, like right now, I think members are being super understanding. So, you know, 10 days ago, we would have said the idea of only helping your members with transactions through, through drive-throughs is a crazy idea and what a terrible experience. And today, that's an exceptional experience because we're here and we're doing the work that needs to be done. So expectations have changed, even though delivery hasn't, and your members' experience is something new. So let's keep that in mind. So as I think about that, to, to actually answer the question, what's the most critical thing? Can I do the thing I want when I want to do it in the way I want to do it? That is the most critical thing. So I, we might be delivering an exceptional experience in our branches or even in our contact centers. We might have the friendliest, most knowledgeable people who can process your transaction um, as, as promptly as possible, and they're going to have an enriching conversation with you in the process. But if I wanted to do my transaction at two o'clock in the morning, sitting in my pajamas at home, you still haven't delivered the best experience to me. So we have to be thoughtful about as everybody, as, as our members access each of our different channels, what are the experiences that they want? So we've thought about, um, you know, phone, in-person and, and digital, and we know that they're looking for something different from each of those. So in our opinion, um, when, they access, uh, when they access our digital channels, they're looking for availability and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about designing those channels, that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking about availability and efficiency as different from, for example, advice or, um, or, or in, interpersonal interaction. So that means we aren't prioritizing things like um, chat functions that help you have a great conversation with somebody. We're trying to make automated processes easier and better for right. you because we think that's what you're looking for in that channel. By phone, we think you're looking for um, empathy and effectiveness. So it's interesting. We, we don't think you're actually looking for efficiency. So we, the financial institution, often measure metrics that right. claim you're looking for efficiency. So when we say things like, um, how long, how, many, uh, how long is each call? What's your average call duration? How many calls can you get per FTE? Like the, the million different ways that you could segment contact center data. Um, we tend to look at that to try to maximize efficiency. But our member isn't going there for efficiency. Our member is right. going there, we believe, for empathy and effectiveness. Essentially, one, I, I probably didn't want to have to call you. Right. So I need you to be empathetic to whatever it is that I'm on the phone with you about. Whether I'm that's calling because you because something, like, didn't, something didn't work out. So yeah, yeah. 60 second online transaction didn't quite happen that I wanted to be efficient. Yeah. So now I want you to understand. <laughs> yes. And I need to vent to you for a second about that. Yeah. And if you let me do that, well, okay, now I can, you know, now I feel better about it. Um, and I want effectiveness. Don't make me call back. Don't make me do something else. Let me finish it in that interaction. So that's what we're thinking about in that environment. And then in person, what we think is uh, that people want confidence and connectedness. So we think people come into a branch, not because they have to, we think they come into a branch because they want to. And so part, the, and the reason they want to though, I think is 
a little bit more uh, complex than some people give it credit for. So um, some people come there for connectedness. They like to have a conversation with that banker that they have known for years, who has done lots of, they know their family, they know their kids, and that's a meaningful value to them. That's part of what some people want. Um, other people are doing something new or they're doing something scary and they don't want to do it online. Um, and this is where I think our industry sometimes overgeneralizes. We believe technology is for the young folks. Mm -hmm. um, and we find that young folks are just as likely to want to have a conversation or walk into a branch when they're doing something new or unfamiliar, like getting their first house, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a scary thing. That, that entails a lot of complexities that they're not used to. So they might want to come in and sit down and have a conversation with us. Now, that doesn't mean they don't also expect us to have all of the digital tools that they yep. want to complete it and execute it digitally, but that interaction is still important to them. So, so I guess my, that's my long-winded way of saying, what do I think is most critical? What I think is most critical is understand the expectation and then design each channel to that, as opposed to trying to claim all of your customers have some shared expectation <laughs> across all of your channels which is why we do this like peanut butter approach to where we put our resources and we don't make enough progress in any one of those channels. So be yeah. selective, be intentional and go as far as you can. Yeah. I think that we, the whole idea of creating and delivering an experience is the understanding, which, which you hit upon that everybody's experience or definition of a positive experience is probably going to be different. So how do we yep. do the best we can to offer that positive experience based upon that member's expectation um, as best we can 100% of the time? Um, Absolutely. Stacy, this has been a terrific conversation. You used the word enriching just a few minutes ago. Uh, and I found this this discussion to be enriching in our time together, uh, definitely enriching. Stacy, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. No, pleasure was all mine. Uh, and thank you to everybody in the audience for either watching or listening to this episode of the Credit Union Business News Podcast. I know you've gotten a lot of tips out of this particular episode will be with you again about two weeks from now. And in the meantime, especially in these times, stay safe and stay healthy. Take care. Learn more about Credit Union Business News at creditunionbusiness.com. Suggestions for the Credit Union Business News podcast can be directed to Tim O'Hara at tim at cubusiness.com or Ken Bader at kbader, B-A-T-O-R, at btcinc.net. To learn more about this episode's sponsor, please go to btcinc.net.